When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill Apter, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. All right, no BS with the bull, Manny Fernandez. Worldwide in the VOC Nation Wrestling Network, the voice of choice, Bruce Ward, with the raging bull, Manny Fernandez. And Manny, we haven't been together for a couple of weeks now, and I know we're going to have a lot to talk about because uh, since the last time you and I talked, you I'd say you celebrated your birthday on the road, but you got a chance to catch up with Terry Funk. So we'll get with, we'll get to that in a second. But how are you doing, man? We're doing good. We're doing good. You know, I had a, like you said, had a great. Didn't really get a chance to celebrate the birthday that much because all that's going on, you know, in July and people passing on and stuff like that, and then me worried about Terry and having a chance to sit down with him. But you know. It was it was a sad birthday month with people passing on, you know, that I've known personally in in this profession and look, you know, looked up to them as two wrestlers, two men outside the ring, real tough men, and you know, beside the 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 persona and the the facade of being this and that, these guys were legitimate compared to what other people are, you know, that I've known in the business. But outside of that, it was all right. Got to visit family down in El Paso and. And my brother Georgie had a big fundraiser for his uh, bar set up because the wind blew his roof off. Ooh. So we did that. that big, yeah. The winds get pretty strong in that desert city of El Paso where I was born. But that's one down there. You know, we haven't talked a lot about family. We talk a lot about wrestling every week. But, um, you know, you I think you told your story about growing up when when we first started doing the show but do you what what's your 
what's your sibling situation look like? You have brothers and sisters? Uh, obviously, you do. Well, yeah, I have a, yeah, we I had eight brothers and sisters, you know, and uh, we grew up pretty much. Uh, our mom was a real athletic, so every one of my brothers and sisters were athletic too. You know, a great. Uh, there was eight of us, but my brother passed on in a car wreck uh, mm. about a year ago. Right after my wreck that I had, that was pretty serious. He had a wreck and he he didn't survive that, so we lost one. One of the twins, my brothers, my my smaller brothers that were born on the same day I was, two years after me, <laughs> they were born July 27th too. So you know, I gave them a hard time when they were growing up because I always thought they robbed my birthday, stole my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I would steal their toys or break their toys and never. <laughs> Stuff like that, silly stuff that the kid would do. But uh, they were twins. My younger brothers were twins. And then my younger sisters were twins. My mom had two sets of twins. And then I had five girls. There was five girls and three boys. You know, now there's uh, two boys and five girls. So, yeah, I'm getting uh, back in touch with my family, trying to re reconcile with my family and reunite with them through this hard the hardship we have losing our little brother. So, yeah, that's 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 yeah, terrible. I'm very sorry to hear that. Yeah, it was pretty bad. And, and I never and, thought I'd lose it. You know, you know, me being the nutcase that I was all my life, I've always thought that I, I always told everybody, oh, I'll be dead by 40. Who gives a damn? I'm just going to live. <laughs> I'm just going to live as much as I can till I die. So, But I cheated the devil out of 27 more years. <laughs> yeah in terms yeah. of uh, in, in terms of legendary pro wrestlers you're up in a rare air you know it's not it, sadly it's not too often that somebody makes it you know as, as far as you've as you've made it and I, I think that that's the the business today is a lot better in that respect because the healthcare options weren't available not that there's insurance but I think there's a lot more there's a lot more visibility on the pro wrestling business and making sure that you know people are healthier and not susceptible to concussions like they were before. There seems to be more protocols, right? Right, there is, there is, you know. But it goes back to being, uh, you know, like you say, it goes back to the model we had: eighty percent go, twenty percent show. So you know, back in the day, if you're going to hit somebody over the head with a chair, you hit them. You can hold back like these idiots do, you know, winch your arms or hold back. Like Back in the day, you got the shit knocked out of you. Somebody yeah. hit you upside the head. I told Arn Anderson one time we're doing a apprentice. Uh, you'll hit me with a chair. You better hit me. Brother hit me so hard with that daggone chair that I had a head imprint on the chair. <laughs> you know, you heard that throughout the whole Coliseum in Greensboro. He hit me that hard. You could see the imprint on the chair. Oh, but that's, that's the way it was done back then. And of course, we didn't have insurance. We got paid, and you had to get your own insurance. You know, now with these contracts these guys get, I'm pretty sure they get insurance. Well, they can buy their own insurance. Back then, you, you, you know, you you just took it upon yourself, and you could afford it or not afford it. Because insurance back then, when you told me you're pro wrestler, they were going through the roof. You could afford insurance. You know, they was through the roof. But all the injuries and people saw, even though they thought it wasn't real. They sure wanted to take your money for real. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know. Let me ask you about the chair shots while we're, while we're talking about that. 
So chair shots today, I mean, you rarely ever see a chair shot to the head. And if, if, if there is, they throw their hands up quickly to, to uh, absorb the blow. But back in the 70s and 80s, when you were active, chair shots were, were common to the head, right? And, and did guys throw their hands up to, to break the momentum of the chair? Or how did that work? What's the difference? My, well, I never did. You know, I never did. I, I don't know about anybody, but I always put my forward up. You don't tip your head. You always want to get hit kind of on the slight forehead, right above your forehead, right. not on the top of the head. And the you hard pick part. your head up a little bit. Yeah, the hard part. Hit you, hit you right in the forehead, which, you know, if you've got a scar tissue from, you know, doing what you did and to bleed and stuff, that you won't feel it that much because the scar tissue is pretty thick, you know. And you don't ever want to hit somebody on the crown of the head. You want to hit them toward the forehead. But you don't want to make sure you bust them in the eyes or in the nose. So you got to know where to place the chair pretty good, make it pop. And like I said, Arn Anderson did a good shot with me. You know, I did things like when I was young, I, I didn't ever know how to take a tur uh, post, go outside. You know, I wasn't trained to take a post. That you learn on your own, I guess. Nobody ever trained me to do that. And first time I wrestled Hardy Race for the world title, we fought outside and he posted me and I hit the daggone post so hard. I knocked myself out because I didn't know how to really take it. So I went in there full speed and bam, that's the guy I know I was seeing stars, man. <laughs> so I got hard way. That's what we call a hard way. So I busted myself open wide open hard way. <laughs> so, Cause I didn't know how to take a post. Yeah, I didn't. Nobody trained you how to take a post. You just gotta learn on your own. It's just the same as gigging. You gotta learn that on your own. You know, but they would tease you and stuff. Tables. You know, in the old days, in the old days, there was a lot of hard way because Tables. that's the, it's the thing that happened. Tables weren't a thing as much back then as they are now, right? There wasn't. I, I yeah. remember. You rarely saw tables used in the match or anything, yeah. you know, the commentary tables, nothing like that. Did you ever do any table spots? No. If we ever did, like uh, I ran uh, timekeeper's table. And back then, the timekeeper's table was a solid. You weren't going to go crack like these little play, uh, tables with that, what is that, ply board, ply board, plastic yeah. board or whatever. The timekeeper's tables back then were made of metal. And there's no way in the world you can go through that. <laughs> you weren't going through none of that. Some of the timer keepers tables were actually bolted or welded to, uh, welded to the floor. <laughs> there was no way in hell you were going to go through break one of those. So we had, you know, now they got those tables that bust easy like straw, you know, put a little weight on them and they bust. But back in the day, no, everything was pretty daggone solid. Isn't that kind of what ended Harley Race's career? He took a table spot with Hogan in, I guess it was 87, and Hogan back, back dropped him into a table. The table didn't break like it was supposed to, and Harley had a tough time. He was out of action until maybe for a year, and then he really never never got back into it. Yeah, that's probably what it was. I know he's already, you know, have his body with metal from that wreck. He had that head on accident. Right, many many years ago, they killed his wife. But that's probably what done it. You know, I didn't know. I wouldn't have trusted Hogan to take anything. I didn't know that happened. And of course, I don't watch wrestling. You know, until like I told you earlier, until me and you started podcasting, I've been peeking on 
little bit here and a little bit there and laughing. But yeah, that probably did because he was up there in age. You got to remember, Hardy was up there in age when we were doing that. And when you get up there in age and take a, a bump the wrong way, you're definitely going to heal it, uh, feel it. And you're not going to heal like you did when you were in your 30s or 40s, uh, you know, early to late 20s. But you won't heal like, like you used to. Sure. Yeah. For, right. <laughs> don't don't we all know that for for a fact? Um, oh yeah. <laughs> Manny, getting back to your family for so so. Um, sad that your brother passed away way too soon. Um, I don't think we've ever talked about. Do you have kids, Manny? Do you? Uh, we we uh, we haven't gotten into your your personal family life. Do you have kids that? Um, oh, my daughter. Oh, my all my girls. Yeah. All my girls are doing fantastic. Awesome. My girls, you know, I told them, I told my girls growing up, if I, a dumbass like me can get a college education and degree, <laughs> you damn sure can because you're smarter, way smarter than I'll ever be. All I did was get beat up for a living, you know, <laughs> to be smarter than that. So I'm very proud of my girls. Uh, one girl graduated in forensic science. My other awesome. girl graduated. My two uh, youngest girls graduated at in forensic science and pharmaceutical medicine. My daughter just graduated being a surgical nurse in emergency units in the surgery. In surgery, she just got to do her to finish her degree on that. She was already a certified nurse, uh, okay. emergency nurse, but she wanted to work in the surgical room with the surgeons. So she had to go back to school for that. And she graduated doing that. So she's doing a girl. And my other girl, Angelique and Istica, they turned out as beautiful as their mom, Hispanic mom. They were models for a while for Dillard's and Belk and stuff like that. Now they got a family life. So, but That's awesome. They, they, I'm They're doing really, really good. I never, because of pro wrestling, you know, seven nights a week, twice on Sunday, eight, eight days a week, uh, never really got to be around them that much, you know. And I'm very proud of the way they grew up. They have no problems with them, no drunk problems, no drug problems, no anything. They all went to college. They all graduated. They all did their things. So they were very well educated. As like I tell people, they were like my mom. My mom was very well educated, went to Texas Western University, graduated Phi Beta Kappa, and was a legal paralegal expert, uh, an expert in immigration law, helped people get green cards and stuff like that, an expert in income tax law. You know, she was, and then she started off as a school teacher, teaching uh, her my first three older sisters, you know, and me when I first came up, when I first went to first grade in El Paso. So, you know, they're, my daughters took after there. They're very well educated. Manny, for those that, that aren't familiar with how tough that life was on the road, especially back when you were active, what, was there anybody that really was, was good at family life? I mean, it, it seems I know how I feel with, uh, you know, I travel quite a bit for, for work and I, I have two little ones and, and thankfully my wife puts up with it, but I can't imagine as a wrestler working seven days a week, 365 days a year, it, it must've been near impossible to be a good family person at the same time. Yeah. yeah it was the hard part is you're always gone at night. You're always gone at night. You know, you're gone through the day. You're leaving to catch an airplane in the morning. You're gone three or four day road trip and you come home, spend a couple hours and you're back on the road. So, you know, you miss all the growing up of them first walking and everything like that because you have 
We didn't have cell phones back then where they could take a video and send it to you. Say, look, you took a first step. You know, we didn't have none of that crap. You know, so all you get is a payphone. You go to the payphone, see how they're doing, and dial home, see how things are going at home. That's, that's why it's hard to keep staying in a marriage. You know, it's hard because you're basically the person you're involved with, married to, she's basically doing your job and her job, and and you know, <laughs> everybody's job, making sure they get educated right. Get fed right, taking care of right, being bed time, you know, because we're always gone. Yeah, a lot of guys. Yeah, I, I can't really say that I've seen a lot of guys in my era that that were lucky enough to spend a lot of time with their children coming up. I can't really say I saw that because, you know, I really didn't. I really didn't. You know, most most of the time you were on the road with the other the other dads and, and pro wrestlers or whatever we called ourselves want to be dads because we're always gone but most of the time you're spending the time with the other guys the boys and after you were done wrestling and you were out you were still out of town you went to bars to drink and then you went to the hotel and slept and there you it all rep, repeated itself over and over all this time you're on the road back when we were in the territory big territory wcw well, you didn't get home for a couple of weeks right. you go a couple of weeks without seeing your kids you know that kind of affects them and affects you, and you know, it's hard. It was hard. Yeah, I bet. And 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 I think accent that there's no cell phones, there's no pagers even at that time. So if somebody needed to get a hold of you, um, they really had to just know where you were staying and hope hoping that you were there. Like if there was an emergency, and not just you, but the guys you were traveling with back then, if there was an emergency, how would a family member get in touch with somebody that was performing on the road. The great thing about back in the old days is the promotions and the promoters. The promoters were available 24-7 for the family. Okay. So they had the promoter's number. Like, you know, when my mom was passing, they they called CNN Tower and Ted uh, Turner. And uh, the, uh, I was in Puerto Rico. And they saying they're trying to get hold of me because my mom was on life and death situation. And they called him and they notified me right away and sent a plane to get me, you know? So, yeah, I, I've always appreciated that, you know, that the promoters were there and there was a family emergency. They would call the promoter and the promoter, they always knew where we we're at. So they'd call the building. There's always somebody at the building and the ticket office. They always had the numbers of that and the ticket office would contact the, the promoter of that, that town there and let it, let the boys and whoever, was uh, an emergency call to whoever they would let him know right away and get him on the road back to their family, which I always appreciated. So. Interesting. And I, I think a lot of people didn't know that. So that's another role of the promoter back in the territory yeah. days. We'll, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side and talk about uh, Manny's week or week or two where uh, he got to ch- catch up with uh Terry Funk, who is uh, having a little bit of a tough time right now. Manny got to see Terry, and we'll tell you all about it on the other side. This is uh, No BS with the Bull on VOC Nation. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. 
Learn more at marines.com. VOC Nation takes wrestling fans behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Get stories and inside information from people who worked on the other side of the curtain. Follow the VOC Nation Wrestling Network podcast feed and get weekly shows from hosts like Bill After, The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, Ken Resnick, The Maestro, Shelly Martinez, Wes Briscoe, and more. Visit VOCNation.com for more information and follow us on Twitter at VOCNation. All right, back here on No BS with the Bull, Manny Fernandez. Manny, uh, you went on a little bit of a, I'm not going to say a tour, but you went on the road last couple of weeks and you got to see uh, your good friend and mentor, the uh, the great Terry Funk. So tell us all about that. I'm sure people want to know about that. Yeah. You- you know, one of the, one of the biggest birthday things on my birthday tour, I call it. <laughs> I wanted to stop and visit with Terry because I knew he was in that assistant living home, and uh, I definitely have to see him. You know, see to see to believe. You know, people keep saying he has dementia and everything like that, and I'm pretty sure you saw the video I posted about me and him. And, uh, but I had to see it with my own eyes, and plus I missed him. You know, I missed I missed everything. It's, you know, like I posted. You know. Wrestling's wrestling. That's what it is. You know, it's a facade. Something you know, I always knew it was. You know, something. But me and Terry were real. It goes back to being a real person. Put all that other bullcrap, that fake bullcrap to the side. All this stuff. Oh, I'm for wrestling. All that bullshit. About being a real human being. About caring about a person outside of the ring and outside of wrestling. It's about knowing each other as real people. And that's what we did. We've known each other as. Since 1977, since I was a junior in West Texas State playing football, you know, we've known each other as people. And it's just outside of that. And I went there to, to see what I was hearing or people were saying that he's in there because he has dementia. It was real, you know. And, and when I saw him, the first thing, you know, I walked into that room and I could see an unhappy person, a very unhappy person. I've known Trevor forever. And I could tell that he was eating dinner in his room, as people could see in the video, but he wasn't happy. He wasn't happy. He was like a prisoner in a little little room. I mean, even though it's nice and everything like that, and he, he, was, he wasn't happy. He wanted to go home. We talked about stuff, you know, reminisced about the past. And, you know, we asked questions after the video. And he was, asked, he was telling me stories about me growing up in West Texas State, what a goof I was how they first liked me because I'd always go out to Whiskey River and, and, and skip curfew, sneak out of curfew at West Texas State and go to Whiskey River to hang out with him and Murdoch and Mulligan and them and always end up in a fight. If he can remember all that from 1977, there's nothing wrong with his memory. There's nothing wrong with his memory. You know, we were talking about days and, and got people that we knew back in the day that, that I met, and, you know, that through him and, John Ayers who played football and two Super Bowl championships with the San Francisco 49ers. You know, big John Ayers died of cancer and his wife's still there. And she, you know, he was just talking about all that stuff. And I'm going, there's nothing wrong with his mind. You know, people, I don't know why he's there. He's unhappy being there. I know that he wants to go home. That's why I say, that's all pray that he goes home because he doesn't want to be there. He eats in his room because he doesn't want to eat around the people in that cafeteria that, God forbid, you know, they're, they're, they're really not all there. 
You know, he doesn't like looking at these people that they're not all there. They really don't have the sense that they really do have Parkinson's and dementia and stuff like that. He doesn't want to be around that. That's why he's in his room. Was this something that he decided to do on his own or was this, I mean, his wife has sadly passed away in 2019, Vicky. Um, No. Was this a decision by his children um, for his safety? Well, he wasn't, I'd put it this way. It wasn't his decision. Right. It wasn't his decision. It was just a decision by other people that he totally disagrees with and, you know, and he really wants to go home. I'm not going to, you know, Got we it. talk personal. I understand. We talk personal on camera and everything. We talk like family to one another. So he told me the whole situation and that whole situation between me and him. It's not for the public, especially pro wrestling public, you know. All these idiots that think they know something. No. When we got our camera, we talked personally one-on-one. I even let my caretaker, Geronimo, take Reggie out, and him had to step out of the room. So that conversation was between me and him alone, and he told me the truth. And it's sad, very sad. Hmm. And, you know, and the bottom line is it it falls down. It's all about the money. And that's what always happens, you know. That's the sad thing. It always comes down to the money. And how would a human be? That's why, you know, <laughs> I'm so glad that I have my pension, my military pension and that, and, that, and I know that I can live comfortable and nobody has to fight for anything I got because I ain't going to have shit. <laughs> I got my service dog and my life and the Lord Jesus Christ. And when that's done, you want to fight over that? Well, you know, go at it. But you know, nobody's going to do that to me. And I don't think... My my children don't ever do that to me because, you know, they know who I am. You know, so. sure. Terry's but, in good 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 shape though. Um, you know, yeah, physically in good shape, good. mentally seem to be in good yeah. shape. Well, yeah, because I, you know, I made it. He made me promise. And, you know, Terry and me real close. He goes, "Now you promise you're coming back, right?" And I said, "Terry, I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Promise. Hopefully, I can. I got a tour date coming up at the end of August." I'm supposed to be scheduled for hip surgery August 13th. So I got so much going on this month. And then they got to finish putting in my my implants, which I'm really angry at the dentist at right now because I wanted them in by my birthday so yeah. I can go out and sell the steak dinner. But that fell through, and I, I have no teeth to show anything. <laughs> I can believe it. Yeah, they took them without. all out, and they didn't put anything back <laughs> in. I know. So I'm choking on food and stuff, right? And I can burn it. Like I try to say chew it, it comes shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to, the funny part is, I was trying to eat at a buffet where they could make, you know, soft food, eggs and stuff like that. But every time I went to chop down on something, more came out of my mouth than went in my mouth. <laughs> you, sound, you sound okay by me, Manny. Yeah, yeah, but they're supposed to this coming Monday. They're supposed to go and start putting the implants in. But it was a funny situation trying to eat. But no, man, me and Terry had good fun. I mean, we had good laughs. Did you, I know you watched the video and we're cracking on each other, but we're cracking on other people too. But he was cracking on my caretaker Geronimo too. But see, all this cracking just making little jokes and stuff. And Manny, Fanny, Bobani. He's always calling me that, Manny Fanny Bobani. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, he told a friend, one of our great friends, the old day, Randy Mankin, was there. 
mm-hmm. sign them out. See, I didn't know that we could sign them out and take them to dinner or lunch or whatever. I would have known that. That's what I would have done, you know, signed them out and took them to get them away from there. And I would have signed them out. We took them to lunch or dinner or whatever. Spend time with them four or five hours before we had to bring them back. But at least I would have got them out of that place. I would have right. known that. And Randy Mankin come down and told me he had signed them out. So wow, I didn't know that. I would have done it. Like <laughs> he was making fun of me making jokes. Yeah, Randy, you remember Manny Fanny for Fanny from San Jose. I'm from El Paso, Texas, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I mean, to me, it was a joyous time and a very sad time. Because when I went to leave, because you can only visit till 6 p.m. So they come and tell you, and I went to leave. He didn't want me to go. Don't go. Promise don't go. And I said, I got to go, Terry. It's the rules here, you know. He said, but I'll be back. You promise? I said, I promise you I'll be back. I got to come back. You know, and, you know, it's just one human being to another. And right. to say, and to leave there and say, please, Lord Jesus Christ, make sure you stay strong. And, you know, and another thing, you know, you're praying for him to stay strong and to go home. He wants to be in his house. If anything happens, he wants to be in his home. In his home, not in some strange place. Right. You know, it goes back to me, you know, uh, my fiance, her dad was a World War II hero and one of my idols because of every medal he got. Should have got the, the Medal of Honor, but he was Hispanic. And you know what it was in the 50s? You weren't going to get the Medal of Honor to, to a, a foreigner, a Hispanic person, a black person. That ain't never going to happen back then. Right. right. He got every damn medal but that. But when he was ready to go, you know, they took him to this hospice place and they put him in there and everybody went over there like waiting for him to go. And I went to go visit him because at the VA, we both had the same doctor. Our general medicine doctor was Dalsite. And she was a great, great doctor. The veterans loved her. But me and her, him had a common bond besides me being engaged to his daughter. You know, our doctors were together. So we always shared our health issues with each other, you know, and the doctor would tell me about past. My doctor would tell me about Paz and dad and they say, yeah, he's not doing this and that. So when they took him to this uh, hospice care and everybody went to go see him, Melinda called me and said, you put my dad in hospice. And I, so I rushed over to go see him and I sat down and talked to him, you know, and he, the first words out of his mouth in, in Spanish was, quiero ir para mi casa. And I looked at him and I go, you want to go home? He said, yes. He didn't want to be there. I told yeah. Melinda that I said, you need to take the dad home. He wants to go home. So she went in and told the family, hey, dad's asking to go home. So they abide by his wishes. They took him home to his house that he'd been in all his life forever since he moved in there 50 years ago. They took him home and three hours later, he fell asleep. But he wanted to be in his home. Yeah. Not in a strange place. You know, yes. and that's, you know, I'm not saying, Terry, please, God, don't let that happen. But that's all he kept telling me. And, you know, at the end there, I just want to go home. I want to go home. I don't want to be here. I want to go home. That is amazing how people can hang on until they they are in a spot where they want to go, and then they they let themselves go. That's an amazing story. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the way it should be. Yeah. Where you, if it's done, then you want to be where it's going to be comfortable, where where you're, it's your environment. You know, you feel safe there to say, okay, I'm done. Let's let it go. 
you know, not in a strange place where you have no surroundings, no nothing that's home to you that you feel, you know, it's part of you. It's part of you. So you're ready to go. And that's the place you want to go because it's part of you. And that's, that's what he keeps saying. I'll, you know, I'll give him a week. I'll give him a week. I've been out some week. I'm going to do something because I want to go home. Reggie. My little buddy. My little server's on. <laughs> but it, it was a fantastic, sad meeting because having to leave was hard. You know, I broke down having to leave. I listened to him say, promise you'll be back. If I promise you. I promise you I will be back. You know, because I don't know if he gets many visitors or not. And uh, I know that he's lonely because he won't go out in the main room with him. You know, the other people that are in uh, their care that really need to be in care. I've seen them. So there's a huge difference between what Terry is and the people that are there that need to be there. There's a big difference night and day. Uh, you know, to believe him i just got in the car and broke down because i know you know and you know he hugged me at at the end there when we were leaving and give me big give me a big hug and give me a hug i thought he was gonna crush my ribs (laughs) (laughs) our thoughts and prayers go out to to terry funk and praying that he he gets into a situation that he wants to be in uh, because uh, he's one of the greatest of all time and we wouldn't be talking to Manny about pro wrestling if it wasn't for Terry Funk. No, we wouldn't. And, and you know, the thing I love about him is he taught me that it was more than, there was more life than pro wrestling. Just like it was him and his ranch and his, and his kids back then and Vicky and his wife, Vicky. Right. There's more to life than pro wrestling, you know. That's what he would tell me every time I was going through a hard time. You got to live outside the ring. You can't live always in pro wrestling. You got to learn to live outside of it. You got to remember what is real in your life. So all those mem- all those lessons that he taught me, they stayed in my head, you know. And he still tells me. That's why I know there's nothing wrong with his mind. He still right. reminds me of that stuff, you know. But to see him there hurts, you know. And, you know, it's like anybody at his age now. He's got a little bit of shaking the hand, his hand shaking a little bit. But at 77, I'll probably be shaking that way too, you know. <laughs> I don't know, you know. Yeah, I, I, I might I might be that way at 50, so uh, who knows? <laughs> right, take a quick break. We'll wrap it up with uh, with some other sad news in pro wrestling. This is No BS with the Bull on VOC Nation. VOC Nation takes wrestling fans behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Get stories and inside information from people who worked on the other side of the curtain. Follow the VOC Nation Wrestling Network podcast feed and get weekly shows from hosts like Bill After, The Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez, Ken Resnick, The Maestro, Shelly Martinez, Wes Briscoe, and more. Visit VOCNation.com for more information and follow us on Twitter at VOCNation. All right, back here on No BS with the Bull. The voice of choice, Bruce Word, and the raging bull, Manny Fernandez. <laughs> Manny um, talked uh, about Terry, and we talked about the sadness of your brother passing. And some more pro wrestling deaths in the last week. Jody Hamilton, who was the assassin, and beautiful Bobby Eaton, starting with Jody, because it happened first. Did you uh, have many interactions with Jody Hamilton? Yeah, you know, 
the sad part about everything is, you know, you lose, there's people that you lose in pro wrestling, like that Paul Orndorff and Chris Romero Youngblood, that you grow up knowing because you got close to them in the business. You know, not just with wrestlers, it's, it's people. You know, and those are the people that really hurt. Uh, I, As far as Jody Hamilton and uh, Bobby, beautiful Bobby Eaton, you know, like I said before, as pro wrestling, you know, pro wrestling wasn't my life. It was my living, yeah. what I did. So I never really hung around mm-hmm. a lot of wrestlers, you know, at all. You know, I really didn't have many. I had a lot of common folk friends, real good common folk. They were, you know, they respected what I did, but didn't get glorified over it. So I really didn't talk to many people. Jody Hamilton, I had a couple run-ins with him. And, and you know, as I, I'm going to say this because this is my belief. I lost 58,000 brothers in Vietnam that I cherish for their sacrifice. That is the hardest part of my life that I wasn't, I still can't forgive myself that I didn't get there early enough to be in all that. All I got was the tail end of it, the evacuation part of it. But those are 58,000 of my brothers that I consider true brothers to sacrifice their life for my freedom. You know, these other guys are pro wrestlers. I had pro, Jody Hamilton was just a pro wrestler that I had to, a chance to wrestle against because me and Dusty Tampic against him and Roger Smith and the Assassins in, in Florida. Me and Jody always had a problem because Jody always would call me uh, manual labor, the Mex- uh, president of Mexico, which I thought was a racist comic, so I'd always got in his face. Yeah. I feel for anybody that lost the past on. I feel for him. I have that emotion. I feel for you, but, you know, life's life. You're going to die. That's the bottom line with me. People die and people keep living. The world keeps turning. That happens. Beautiful Bobby. I don't think I ever spent more than two or three sentences with Bobby. Bobby was a quiet kind of guy. You know, he was there as Midnight Express with WCW Mid-Atlantic. And the only times we, we really ever saw each other was cordially saying hi to each other in the promo room or cut promos. Where the show, he's walking by the alley. Because back then we had separate dressing rooms. And if I saw him, they, what's up? We're on the airplanes. They were private planes that we flew on. Hey, what's up? Never said much about, you know, Bobby has his own world. He had his own thing going on. And I knew he had problems with downers and stuff like that. So, you know, we all had our own lives, our own little rules, and our own people we communicated with. But it is sad because Bobby was a hell of a talent, you know, and, and, you know, I wish they'd make as much fuss about, you know, Hispanic wrestlers when they pass away as they do as the white wrestlers. It's a big deal. Like when Chavo Guerrero died, nobody made a big deal out of it, you know, when he passed on. And Chavo Guerrero was one of the greatest Hispanic talent uh, generated the uh, wrestling Guerrero family. Yeah. You know, Gory Guerrero, Chavo Guerrero, you know, Hector Guerrero, Mondo, Chavito Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero, you know, all that, you know. But, you know, that's, that's here nor there. It's just Life is life. We're born to die. And I accept that fact, you know. I'm here still. Thank God that I'm here still. But when I'm gone, so no one gives a damn, who gives a damn? As long as I know I went with the Lord Jesus Christ in my heart, that's all that matters to me. You know, and all that matters to me. When you're dead, you're dead. <laughs> you're not going to know who, who praises you or who wishes about you. are just dead. <laughs> well, listen, uh, and, and uh, I... I have to believe, especially the way the world is trending now, that the other side is is uh, <laughs> so much better that we won't even think about about this uh, this awful place. But listen, 
Before we get off of Bobby, did you work with Bobby in the ring? You hear so much about how wonderful he was of a worker and how legendary of a worker he was. Did you work with him at all? I, I know you worked with the Rock and no. Rolls, but did you work with the Midnights? No. No, never worked with Midnight Express at all. Never worked with those idiots at all. No. Um, <laughs> not one. No. You know, by the time they came around, I got hot. Me and Rude were together, so I was a heel team against that. And yep. if we would have had a chance, me and Rude against uh, Midnight Express, it would have been pretty cool. Yeah. It would have been nice. I, you know, Stan Lane was lucky. He wasn't much of a worker. He was just a lucky guy. Yeah, Dennis Conner was a hell of a worker. Bobby Eaton was a hell of a worker. So I know it would have been fun. would have been a lot of fun to have a match, me and Rude against uh, Midnight Express. Then I would have got to chase the corner in around and beat the living crap out of that. I was going to pants around his ankle. Which, that would have been even more fun. And I would have done it. If we would have had a match, I would have got Cornette. I would have put his uh, pulled pants around his ankles and pulled his shirt around his neck and probably choked him to death. <laughs> here's my uh, here's here's the question I'll I'll ask you to end the show today. If if they presented you with an uh, an angle in 1986 and they said, "Listen, Manny, you're gonna you're gonna do this this gig. Uh, Cornette's gonna turn on the Midnight's and he's gonna come manage." Rick Rude and Manny Fernandez. What would you would you sign up for that? I would have quit. You're that bad, right? So hey, Jim hey, Cornette would have quit. Jim, Jim Cornette was. Quit. He was on your nerves back then too, right? But, oh God, it was, it, I never liked that piece of garbage. I don't care. And I, I, my godfather has a podcast. My godson, I'm sorry has a podcast about wrestling he does out of San Antonio. And they were listening to Jim Cornette run his mouth about me. And my godson was going, that's not true. And I said, don't worry about what's true or not. It's wrestling. They're as yeah. fake as they can get. And so they say everything's fake so they can get attention. So attention is, don't worry about that crap. <laughs> He's nobody. He's not even a man. But no, it's bad enough that Rude quit because of Paul Jones. He ended up signing with WWE because Number one, he couldn't stand Paul Jones, and he didn't like it. He'd rather just be me and him. That's all he kept saying. Why do, they, why do we need this guy? It just should be me and you. And you think he would have put up a cornet like me? Hell no. Hell no. That would have even been worse. He would have left sooner. He would have left sooner. Than I, he would have been the first one to go, and I put it would have been the second one to go like, like I did anyway when that happened. But, you know, no. That would never happen. We, me and Rude, to be honest, we didn't need a manager. Yeah. If Paul Jones needed something to do, so they put him with us. And we, me and Rude handled each other pretty good on our own. We didn't need a manager. You know, I don't know what it was a waste of time in our book. Yeah. Well, there you have it. If you ever wondered if Manny would have worked with Jim Cornette, you got your answer right here. All right. Manny, it's uh, it's great uh, to to kind of be back together after a couple of weeks off. But guess what? You had your vacation. Now I have mine. So I'll be gone for a couple yeah. of weeks. So we, we won't record a new show until probably the end of August. So get your fill. Go catch up on all of the previous episodes of No BS with the Bull. We dive into Manny's career pretty deep and Manny's life. So you get a, a sense of... Uh, all the things that he's done and things that you probably didn't know about. And we also set the record straight. There's a lot of people that say a lot of things about Manny Fernandez and his life, but you get the straight scoop with no BS right here from the bull. So Manny, uh, 
I'll miss you, brother, but we'll come back again, and hopefully nothing too hey. bad happens between the now and the next time no. we talk. I pray for you and your family. Be careful. Enjoy your vacation. And enjoy all the time you got to spend with your family, because I'll tell you firsthand, from firsthand knowledge, I regret not being around my kids. I regret that, and I'll regret it till the day I die. Because they're so grown now, they don't need you. <laughs> it goes by fast. Hey. Yeah, it goes fine. You wish you happy birthdays and Merry Christmas and every three months. How you doing, Dad? You doing all right? Blah. Yeah, I'm doing fine. That's it, man. They got their life, you know, and you're going like, wow. <laughs> I wish I would have been there for them. But time, time that's right. All right, well, Manny, you take care of yourself. God bless. And uh, we'll talk again in a couple of weeks. Okay, buddy. All Enjoy right. Enjoy your for- vacation. God bless you and your kids. For the Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez, I'm the voice of choice, Bruce Ward. We'll talk to you next time. No BS with the Bull on VOC Nation.